America. Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America! Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the November 29th edition of the Sunday side of sports. Let's kick off with World Cup football in Qatar. The USA's head coach, Greg Berhalter, says his team will take inspiration from Iran's 2-1 victory over the Americans at the 1998 World Cup in France when they meet later Tuesday night in a Group B showdown. That game just sticks in my mind. It burns in my mind. And what I saw, um, you know, from the opening whistle is one team that really wanted to win the game and one team that didn't really want to win the game. And Iran wanted to win the game with everything. And they played really committed, really focused. And for us to have a chance to advance, that's going to have to be the mindset of our group because we know exactly what Iran's going to bring. Well-coached team, very committed team. And we don't want to make the same mistakes of the past. We want to learn from that and, and, and be able to, to put in a good performance. The Americans need to put in not just a good performance, but a winning performance. If they win, they advance to the knockout round of 16. If they lose or draw, the USA is eliminated. Coach Burhalter talks about his team's mindset. For us, it's just focus. You know, we're not looking backwards. There's no talk about, you know, the performance against Wales or England now. It's really focused on Iran, how we can be successful against them. And what I see from the group is this tremendous amount of focus. There's There's no real distractions. You know, I know there's a lot going on here, but the group is focused on how do we get a win. The USA is coming off a scoreless draw with England. And the USA drew one all with Wales in its opening World Cup match. For its part, Iran defeated Wales 2-0. And in its opening game, it lost to England 6-2. Coach Burhalter and U.S. team captain Tyler Adams appeared at a tense pre-match news conference in Qatar. Let's listen to this exchange between Adams and an Iranian reporter. First of all, you say you support the Iranian people, but you're pronouncing our country's name wrong. Our country is named Iran, not Iran. Please, once and for all, let's get this clear. Second of all, um, are you okay to be representing a country that has so much discrimination against black people in its own borders? And uh, we saw the Black Lives Matter movement uh, over the past few years. Are you okay to be representing the U.S.? Meanwhile, there's so much discrimination happening against black people in America. My apologies on uh, the mispronunciation of your country. Um, Yeah, that being said, you know, there's discrimination uh, everywhere you go. Um, You know, one thing that I've learned, especially from living abroad in the past years and uh, having to fit in in different cultures and and kind of assimilate into different cultures, um, 
is that in the U.S. we're, we're continuing to make progress uh, every single day. You know, growing up for me, I, was, I, I grew up in a, in a white family with an, obviously an African-American heritage and background as well. So um, I had a little bit of uh, different cultures, and I, I was very, very easily able to assimilate in different, different cultures. So, um, you know, not everyone has that, that ease and uh, the ability to do that, and obviously it takes longer to understand. And through education, I think it's, it's super important. Like you just educated me now on the pronunciation of, of your country. So, um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a process. I think as, as long as you see progress, uh, that's the most important thing. That's Leeds United midfielder Tyler Adams, the captain of the USA's World Cup team, speaking ahead of Tuesday evening's big match against Iran. Now we'll hear from Iran's head coach, Carlos Kairos, who says the USA has performed the best among the four teams in Group B. Look, I, I said it and I repeat it again. In my opinion, the credit. Uh, we need to talk uh, not from the theoretical and favorites point of view. We need to talk about the facts. Uh, and uh, there, are, there are two facts that, are, that, that you not question. The team in this group that perform, the, the, produced the best two performances, um, in our group was without any doubts United States. In World Cup results Monday, Portugal defeated Uruguay 2-0, Brazil beat Switzerland 1-0, Ghana topped South Korea 3-2, and Cameroon and Serbia battled to a three-all draw. Portugal and five-time world champion Brazil have won their first two matches in Qatar, and they're both through to the round of 16. For reaction to Ghana's victory, let's go to Ghana's capital, Accra, and my VOA colleague, Jackson Vunganyi. It was a great day of joy here in Accra, Ghana. Lots of celebrations. I have never been part of this kind of energy before. So much tension and jubilations at the same time as the Ghanaians watch their team putting on a great performance against a, a formidable opponent in South Korea. You know, jubilations everywhere, the sounds of drums, live music, cars honking on the streets. Ghanaians are really happy that their boys were able to pull off this win. The Black Stars needed this for them to keep their hopes alive in this tournament. And they needed to beat South Korea for them to advance past the group stages. And thanks to their youngster, Mohamed Kudus, they did it. I was watching the game outside of the Ghana Broadcasting Center where they had like hundreds of people, part of, you know, fans from around the country, uh, including some female teams uh, that play in the local leagues here, some fan groups. And I spoke to some of them about what they thought was the difference maker in this game. Ghanaians were very determined to win this game. They went all out. Their pressing was superb. And they, they weren't giving the, the Korean team to possess the ball too much. Even though they were having their chances, but they were blocking most of their chances. So I think Ghana went all out. They gave all their best today. Nail biting. Yeah. I mean, to have considered within one under five minutes again, yeah. just as we did against Portugal. So, you know, it was, it was a bit difficult. But, you know, we're glad that the Black There was a lot of tension, right? Absolutely. I can feel the tension. Absolutely. But also and the vibe was amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Especially after the third goal. Yeah. You know, and then the, when the people final. are now confident that we've got this in the See? back. See? <laughs> so, you know, we've got Uruguay next. And Suarez 
As Jackson Vungani and that Ghanaian football fan said, next up for the Black Stars is Luis Suarez and Uruguay on Friday, December 2nd. A victory will see Ghana through to the round of 16 in Qatar. For more reaction to Ghana's victory over South Korea, Iron Mike Mbonye spoke with the chief football writer at ACLsports.com, Fisayo Dairo. It was indeed a very good game of football. Um, the five goals thriller at the Education City Stadium in Adelaide served us a mixture of perfections and imperfections in equal proportion. And you know, in football, when there are imperfections, they tend to turn around to form beautiful scenarios for neutrals to enjoy across the globe. The Black Stars of Ghana enjoyed their first win of the competition, continuing Africa's similar resurgence at the Qatar 2022 World Cup after a lackluster first round of matches. The African nations seem to have woken up from their slumber in the second round of games. And it's good to see Ghana, in spite relinquishing their 2 nil lead at the point, to get to 2 all they still were able to dig deep and get the winning goal through that Ajax Amsterdam man, Mohamed Kudus. Lots of times we've talked about him on the sunny side of sport with his exploit in the UEFA Champions League and he has now carried it over into the World Cup. It was indeed a great game and a very good result, which the whole African continent is proud of. Mohamed Kudus scored twice for the Black Stars of Ghana in the game against South Korea. Do you think Kudus is living up to expectation? As a rising star? Absolutely he is. This is one young talent that has shone like a million stars in the UEFA Champions League this season. And he has grown in leaps and bounds. Playing for Ajax Amsterdam, scored back full of goals in the Champions League. He has weighed in with so many dirty DVC as well. And now coming into this competition with, this, with the Black Stars, he has genuinely borne the burden and responsibility of a nation on his young shoulders and he has not disappointed one bit. Now, in this competition, he has not only scored two goals, but he has shown the true African talent that is innate in him. He has gone past defenders at will. He has not made them mesmerize them. He has wowed watchers both in Qatar and across the globe with his amazing footballing skills. Now, the top guns in Europe are paying attention to this fabulous left-footed player who has been touted by many to be perhaps a future African footballer of the year. Fantastic performances from Kudu so far and what a tournament the young side is having. Fisayo, Ghana's last group game is against Uruguay. What's your take on the match? Ghanaians across the globe have not forgotten what happened in 2010 when the South Americans denied the Ghanaians a piece of major history You know when both teams met at the quarterfinal stage in South Africa. This time around, the stake is also high because Ghana know that if they avoid defeat against the Uruguayans, they may progress to the second round. And should Uruguay win, they can also progress to the next round. So it's a very, very big game for both sides. 
for Uruguay. They've not done particularly well in the competition so far. They've failed to score a goal in two matches. And their aging squad is definitely caving in to the uh, enormous exigencies in the competition. But for Ghana, after that impressive win against Korea, the problem now is that Historically, South Americans are always a difficult proposition for African teams. No African team has beaten a South American side since 1990. But the good thing is, Ghana only need a point. So will they hang on? Will they dig deep? Will they channel all their energies, all their passion to ensure that they get that point for themselves and for Africa? Only time will tell. That's Fisayo Dairo, the chief football writer at ACLSports.com. And Fisayo spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Abuja, Nigeria. Sporty greetings. This is Fisayo Dairo, chief football writer at ACLSports.com. And you are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. It is the biggest sports event of the year. The 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Join VOA to celebrate Africa's King's Sport. In-depth coverage, pre- and post-game analysis, breakout stars, Cinderella teams, coaches, players, and let's not forget the fans from the four corners of the continent and from the city of Doha. We'll be there throughout the competition. Don't miss the fun with Team VOA Africa. Let's experience the magic of football together. More World Cup news. Generation Amazing Foundation is a FIFA World Cup legacy initiative established by Qatar as the social impact arm of the World Cup. Using the power of sports for social change, The foundation aims to tackle issues such as gender equality within football, youth development, and health. This includes setting up 36 training pitches, 140 schools, and four generation amazing community clubs across the world. The foundation has reached 1 million beneficiaries around the world since its inception including in Qatar, India, Haiti, Rwanda, Argentina, Uganda, and Nepal. Generation Amazing has partnered with UNHCR and Education Above All to deliver a Sports for Protection project across Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, and Chad. For more insight, VOA's Lenore Madu spoke with Nasser Al-Khori, Executive Director of the Generation Amazing Foundation. We initially started Generation Amazing in 2010 at, uh, at the very early stages of the bid for the World Cup uh, because we had a different uh, vision for legacy. We didn't want to host a mega sporting event and not to have a legacy or to fall into other traps of some countries that you know think about legacy host events. We focus on the human and, and the kind of the um, the social uh, legacy component. We use sports for youth development. Uh, we embed different life skills. We promote uh, UN Sustainable Development Goals. We create inclusive and cohesive societies uh, through our programs and interventions. 
Tell us about um, how football can be used effectively as a pathway for development. Since the beginning of the pandemic, we transitioned to deliver all our football for development coach education uh, units online that's accessible by any community coach anywhere in the world with an internet connection. We're very excited to to be launching our uh, uh, first Generation Amazing Community Club this year in, in, in Africa. It's our first project in Africa. It's in Rwanda. It's an hour away from Kigali, but it's in partnership with the Ministry of Sports and the National Rehabilitation Center that sits under the government of Rwanda. But basically, it's an orphanage. There's a lot of uh, young boys that have uh, different issues. They live under bridges and in the streets, and so the government basically puts them through rehab. And we've complemented that program with a football for development uh, or sports for development, let's say, aspects. So we've built a football pitch, we've built a volleyball pitch and a basketball court as well. Um, and then obviously we have a train the trainer model. We are training, you know, a, a group of trainers uh, from Kigali to be able to go to the to the community club and be able to deliver sessions where they can, they can talk about gender equality, uh, social cohesion, different issues around race, around peace. We believe that football is, is a platform and, you know, whether it's, it's used to play sports, which is amazing and we do that, you know, but we can also do more, uh, more than just kick a ball. We empower the coaches and we train them how to deal with difficult situations and conversations. At Generation Amazing, we conduct an, a, a very thorough needs analysis to understand the specific needs and the complex issues of the community. We then, based on that, design the interventions and the programs that will tackle those social issues. So how would you assess the, the implementation of the program since it was first launched? Overall, do you feel like a lot has been done in terms of either your initial goals? We're very close to hitting our target. And, you know, this target is only the beginning for me because I just feel like everything we're going to do is going to be after World Cup. We are a foundation that will go beyond the World Cup. We are the legacy of the World Cup. Now we're looking at expanding the units to involve other partners that we work with. We've designed a um, hybrid curriculum. It's called Youth as Agents of Behavioral Change. So how youths themselves and their community can be agents of change. There's a training that we created around this where we worked in Iraq, Uganda, Myanmar, and Argentina with the national societies, the Red Cross and the Red Crescent. Again, sports is great, but let's not also forget about the other side of sports, the culture, skills, the things that you can embed and, and, and promote through the match itself. So if you were to kind of summarize some takeaways uh, with regards to Generation Amazing, what would you say are perhaps the takeaway, the message, or looking forward? Creating a more peaceful world through football, I, I would say, is, is kind of the dream. And I think that's not, it's not impossible. We need a lot of partners and we need support from the FIFA legends and people like David Beckham, who's one of our ambassadors, and from football clubs. But we also need support from teachers and schools and parents and students. So it's a whole ecosystem, I think. So Nasser, I cannot let you go without asking you this. What should we expect during the World Cup in Qatar? There's a lot of elements around this World Cup that makes it very unique. Uh, the, the, the fact that all the stadiums are within a 60 kilometer radius, 
That means you can observe more than two matches per day. You don't have to get uh, on, on a plane to travel from one city to another city, which also the national teams, by the way, they love the fact that they can all stay in one accommodation rather than moving around the country, which is a unique and has never been happened before. But also generally from a fan experience, I think, first of all, the culture. I mean, the Middle Eastern culture uh, is very diverse let alone within the Gulf states, there's so many different uh, cultures. I feel like fans will be super excited. And I hope, you know, the fans that do come out to Doha and, you know, come back and visit post-World Cup as well. That's Nasser Al-Khori, Executive Director of the Generation Amazing Foundation, speaking via Skype from New York with VOA's Lenore Madu. Sporty greetings. This is Memory Malisawa, Major Officer of Copa Queens of Zambia. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel. In honor of World AIDS Day, we reprise a conversation with AIDS activist, journalist, and historian Emily Bass about her book, To End a Plague, America's fight to defeat AIDS in Africa. She discusses the significance of PEPFAR, the president's emergency plan for AIDS relief created under former President George W. Bush. That's Press Conference USA this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. Thanks, Carol. Now let's go to South Sudan, which is hosting the interparliamentary games to help promote the East African community. Juliana Shapai tells us more from Juba, South Sudan. Legislators from around the East African community are challenging each other in football, netball, athletics, tug of war, volleyball, walking race, golf, basketball, and darts. Gemma Nunukumba says she is grateful to the East African community for trusting South Sudan to host the 12 interparliamentary games. So one can confidently say that this time around, peace has come to stay in the Republic of South Sudan. And as the political representatives of, of, the, of all in the East African community, your very presence in Juba at this point in time demonstrates our solidarity and that of all East Africans with the people of South Sudan as we endeavor to usher the country into an era of peace, stability, and nation building. Representative from Kenya, Tanzania, Rwanda, Burundi, and Uganda began the eight days event on Friday. Kumba says, the tournament is expected to create an environment for healthy competition among East African countries. The games provide for us the opportunity to know each other, learn from each other, uh, recognize each other's problems, and appreciate each other's viewpoints and achievements. By bringing the region's parliamentarians together, therefore, this tournament contributes to deepening integration within the East African community in as much as it enables our politicians to appreciate how valuable we would be to each other in an increasingly integrated East Africa community. A Ugandan lawmaker says he was surprised to see development in South Sudan. Mosi J. Jonas says he will tell the Ugandans that South Sudan is a peaceful place. Yes, it is my first time and uh, I was a bit scared, but what is on the ground is not what is portrayed. The, the environment is, is calm, 
and uh, we we we've been the Sudanese are very friendly. That's what I can able affirm and confirm that what is being portrayed is not what I've seen. And uh, I was so much amazed with what is happening as far as infrastructure is what is going on. Matthias Roby, a member of parliament from Kenya, says biased news about South Sudan has discouraged people from visiting the country. Some people from other countries like Kenya, Tanzania, uh, Rwanda were not expecting to be in a peaceful way as we, are, we, we have witnessed here in Southern Sudan. Personally, as a member of parliament from Kenya, I'm supporting these inter-games inter among us so that it can create peace. And we are also welcoming the DRC people so that uh, this one can be taken to the country so that it can promote peace. Tanzania lawmaker Priska Starimo says most lawmakers from the region feared insecurity as they came to South Sudan. When we first heard that the next competition is going to be held in uh, South Sudan, we were, we were scared. We were not sure um, what uh, the security would look like, uh, the people, the, the grounds and everything. But we were uh, uh, on one point uh, motivated because we knew that uh, uh, the uh, decision to uh, get uh, South Sudan into East African community, most of the things uh, must have been taken into consideration, including the stability, the economy, the people and the readiness of the whole um, integration, the East African community. The 12th Interparliamentary Games ends on Friday. For VOA News, I am Juliana Shiapai in Juba. It is the biggest sports event of the year. The 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Join VOA to celebrate Africa's King's Sport. In-depth coverage, pre- and post-game analysis, breakout stars, Cinderella teams, coaches, players, and let's not forget the fans from the four corners of the continent and from the city of Doha. We'll be there throughout the competition. Don't miss the fun with Team VOA Africa. Let's experience the magic of football together. I'm VOA Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. The AP's Chuck Freeman has some American-style football and National Basketball Association news for us. Here's Chuck. The Pittsburgh Steelers now have the most wins in Monday Night Football history with 52, a 24-17 win over Indianapolis. Benny Snell's two-yard plunge was the difference early in the fourth quarter. A confidence builder says quarterback Kenny Pickett. You know, right now we're, we're a four-win team right now. We have to own that, and we got we to chip away at it and get back to, to winning. Both teams now four and seven. In the NBA, Devin Booker had 44, leading Phoenix to a 122-117 win at Sacramento. It was Washington 142-127 over Minnesota. 
Christoph Sportsingas had 41 for the Wiz. Joel Embiid was clutched down the stretch, 7 of his 30 in the final minute, leading Philadelphia to a 104-101 come-from-behind win over Atlanta. In some ways, um, you know, whenever I was needed, that's when I felt like I needed to turn it off. Boston down Charlotte, 140-105. It was Toronto, 100-88 over Cleveland. Kevin Durant had 45 in Brooklyn's 109-102 win over Orlando. New Orleans defeated Oklahoma City, 105-101. Suddenly, Utah has dropped five in a row. The Jazz got beat by Chicago, 114-107. Denver took out Houston, 129-113. And Andrew Nemhart hit a game-winning three-pointer, lifting Indiana to a 116-115 win over the L.A. Lakers. Chuck Friedman. Thanks, Chuck. For more on Toronto's 100-88 win over Cleveland, here's the AP's John Letherby. Pascal Siakam returned to the Raptors lineup to post a double-double and a 188 win over the Cavaliers at Scotiabank Arena. He had 18 points and 11 rebounds after missing the last 10 games with a strained adductor muscle. OG Ananobi led all Toronto scores with 20, while Scotty Barnes chipped in 11 points off the bench. Great to have Pascal back out there to see him doing amazing things, being able to score the ball at a high level, being efficient. Darius Garland was the Cavs' leading scorer, 18 points and 10 assists, while Donovan Mitchell was held to just 8 points in 25 minutes of action. John Leatherby, Toronto. Sporty greetings. This is Masai Ujiri, the president of Toronto Raptors Basketball, president of Giants of Africa Foundation. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. This is the voice of America. Washington, D.C. And that wraps up the November 29th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I get it. I'm VOA Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports.